Good evening. I made a new friend this year. His name is Charlie. Charlie literally ate pizza off my child's plate in July when I called out to say hi to him while I was eating dinner in an outdoor cafe. Charlie had an experience that nobody in this room wants. On January 15th, 2022, a gunman held Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker and three of his beloved congregants hostage for more than 11 hours in Colleyville, Texas. You might have seen his article in the foreword this past week. 45 minutes into the Shabbat morning service, Charlie heard the click of a gun. The gunman yelled that he had a bomb and that more bombs were planted in New York City. This person traveled from England to Texas with one demand to speak to Rabbi Angela Bookdaw. He had read that she was a prominent rabbi in New York City, and he believed that Jews control America and that we all know each other. Now, Charlie and Angela, to this point, had never met. Luckily, reform rabbis have a member directory, and so Charlie was able to look up Angela's phone number. While Angela does not usually answer the phone on Shabbat, that particular morning she picked it up because her parents both had COVID and she was concerned for them. Now, I don't know how I would respond if a colleague I didn't know called me and when I asked, how are you doing? The rabbi responded with, not great. There's a gunman holding four of us hostage. Thankfully, Charlie had gone through intruder training and he knew how to remain a calm, non-anxious presence. Throughout the day-long crisis, he constantly looked for an opportunity to escape. And the right moment eventually arrived. Charlie told his congregants to run and he threw a chair at the hostage taker. They all escaped to safety. Now, Charlie does not outwardly present himself as someone who has gone through unimaginable trauma. He stands tall, he plays Jewish geography, and he tells really bad dad jokes. But this is what Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker said when he and Rabbi Angela Bookdahl recounted the experience to a room full of colleagues. I already was a big gratitude guy, now I am even more. Charlie experienced gratitude after he was held by a gunman spewing anti-Semitic tropes? Gratitude? Charlie was and continues to be grateful for the outpouring of support and care and love that he encountered after that fateful day. He's grateful for the speaking opportunities that now come his way and that he can participate in events like the White House Summit on gun violence. It makes me wonder what kind of response I would have if, God forbid, I was in his shoes. While I too have participated in a lot of training, I'm pretty certain I would be angry, really angry for a while. According to Dr. David Hanscom, anxiety and anger are universal emotions, powerful and necessary for life. We cannot and are not going to get rid of them. He also writes that anger feels powerful and is often effective in regaining control. It's a rapid response that solves or masks anxiety. It gives us the extra boost to resolve a threat. Michael Schreiner, a Seattle-based therapist, writes that the evolutionary purpose of anger is to make us aware that our interests are being trampled upon while giving us the energy and the motivation to make things right. 
Anger is fiery. It winds us up like a spring. It primes us to act. And when we do act, we feel powerful, righteously indignant, like avenging gods. Hence, I'm pretty sure that anger would have been the emotion that I would have exhibited, a righteously indignant avenging human that I am. I would probably spew words not becoming of a rabbi or a lady. And out of anger, I would probably start sentences like, I swear I will never, or if I ever, blah, 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 then I will. And I'd even say that in front of people. Back in that day, that would have been called a vow. In biblical and rabbinic literature, vows were big deals. They were not taken lightly. Once a vow was made to do something or to abstain from something, they could not be broken. We started our tefillah, the prayers of Kol Nidre, tonight with, by the authority of the court on high and by the authority of the court below, with divine consent and with the consent of this congregation, we grant permission to pray with those who have transgressed. And then we said, let's renounce all of the vows and promises that were made this year. They are no longer valid. Except, usually we sing along to those words in ancient Aramaic, and it makes us remember the people that we sat with who we don't sit with anymore, or maybe we're momentarily transported to a different shul or a different room from our youth. And for those of us newer to Judaism, maybe we caught on to the melody or a few words by the third time it was sung. But the words of Kol Nidre, my friend, they are heavy and they are laden with meaning because we have all transgressed this year, every single one of us. In some way or another, we have all turned away from God's mitzvot and from the good laws. In our private Amidah, we just said the word, which means we're not chutzpahdik enough to say, God, we are righteous and have not sinned. Because indeed, we and those who came before us, we miss the mark. Every year, we all miss the mark, each and every one of us. That is why the line is in the liturgy. Throughout this season, in the Slichot prayers, when the ark is open, we say, Adonai, Adonai, El Rachu Vechanun, Erech Hapayim Verav Chesed Vehemet, Noter Chesed La'alafim, Nosei Avon Vafesha Vechatad Benakeh. God, God, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness, assuring love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, sin, and granting pardon. The prophet Jonah will riff off of these words tomorrow afternoon. In the Mincha Haftarah, Jonah will pray to God and he'll say, I know that you are an El Hanun Barachum, Erech Apaim, Rav Chesed, Venicham I know. God, you are compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness, and you renounce punishment. Except a lot of us are not slow to anger. We get angry too quickly. That is how we miss the mark. 
staying on the theme of Kol Nidre, of all the vows, in Tractate Nidarim, Nidre, Nidarim, on page 21, the rabbis discuss what happens when people make vows out of anger. First, a certain unnamed person came before Rav Huna to request that a vow that he made be dissolved. So Rav Huna asked him, is your heart upon you? Do you still have the same desire and that same anger that you had when you made the vow? The person said, no. So, boom, Rav Huna dissolved the vow for him. There was no waiting for Kol Nidre, and according to this text, if you impulsively make a vow out of anger, then it can be dissolved, one, two, three. Similarly, on the same page, we read about another unnamed person who this time came before Rabbi Elazar, and Rabbi Elazar said to him, did you really want a vow? Was this really your desire? And this is what the man said to Rabbi Elazar. If they had not angered me, I would not have wanted anything. And so Rabbi Elazar responded, okay, let it be like you want, the vow's dissolved. Here too, the man did not need to wait until Kul Nidre. The emotion of anger overpowered the experience and the vow was not considered a real vow, which would have needed Kul Nidre to dissolve it. Further on the same page, another rabbi says, Kol es gehenom sholtimbo. All kinds of gehenom and hell rule over anyone who becomes angry because anger causes people to transgress all kinds of severe sins from making false vows to hostage taking. According to scientists, prolonged and extreme anger can also exacerbate existing health problems as well as affect the way that we react to certain issues. Anger doesn't really help in the long run. In a different place in the Talmud, we read that Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar said, in the name of Hilfeb bar Agra, who said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, one who rents his garment in anger, or breaks his vessels in anger, or scatters money in anger, is like an idol worshiper in your eyes, as that is the craft of the Yetzer Hara, of the evil inclination. It should be mentioned that the rabbis deemed idol worshipers as the worst of the worst. This text instructs against getting angry. The words erech apayim translate to slow to anger. The word erech comes from the Hebrew root aleph resh chaf, which means to lengthen or to stretch. The word apayim comes from the word af, alefe, which means anger. Af also means nose, think, flared nostrils. In describing God as slow to anger, we acknowledge that God can eventually grow angry. God has an adkan. There is a tipping point for divine patience. God can be pushed too far, but it's not immediate because God has way better impulse control than we do. By including erech apayim to a list of attributes that include kindness and compassion and faithfulness and gratefulness, it insinuates to me that God's anger is not a frequent occurrence. God is slow to anger. And as a people who are commanded to live a life in the image of God, so many of us miss the mark and jump to anger too quickly. And then we say things like, I'm never going to speak to that person again. Or when their song comes on the radio, I'm changing the channel. Or I'll never step in their house again. Or 
you're so not invited to my bat mitzvah. That's not how we should behave. Bar Kapara taught an angry person has managed to acquire only anger. In the end, a person is left with nothing but the anger itself. Enunatana Tokef, after we say tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah have the power to transform the harshness of our destiny, God is described as kasheh lichos v'noach lirtzot, slow to anger and easily appeased. How many times do we need to hear this refrain in our tefillot during these yamim noraim so it penetrates our being? God is slow to anger, we should be too. My friend Charlie knew this. He was in our nightmare situation. And yet, his anxiety and his anger did not overrule him. He chose gratitude. He's not only a hero, but he is a tzaddik too. In his book, The Prophets, Heschel writes, anger is something that comes dangerously close to evil, yet it's wrong to identify it with evil. Like fire, it may be a blessing as well as a fatal thing, reprehensible when associated with malice, morally necessary as resistance to malice. Anger may touch off deadly explosives, while the complete absence of anger stultifies moral sensibility. Rabbi Shai Held, in his analysis of Heschel's thought, notes that while in human beings, Anger is deeply entwined with impulsiveness and loss of self-control. God's anger is not morally compromised in the way that human anger all too frequently is. Too frequently we get anger. We get angered and we get angered and we get angry. It's not mitzvahdik, it's not godlike. Let's acknowledge when we got angry this past year and try to be better in the new year. Our Talmud teaches that the Kodesh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, loves three people. Misheno Ko'es, Misheno Mishtaker, Misheno Ma'amid Almidotav. The one who does not get angry, the one who does not get drunk, and the one who is forgiving. Can we find it within ourselves, this Yom Kippur, to let go of some of the anger that we carry and be forgiving? It's Kol Nidre. Is your anger really worth hanging on to? If not now, when? Your vows have been dissolved. So send out the olive branch. It's a clean slate. Erev Tov.